This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. Uh, if you haven't experienced this yet, you soon will. Curious uh, how Jamie feels about this. When players that you rooted for, not necessarily your heroes, but just that you rooted for, big fans of, all of a sudden start attending old-timers days, it kind of puts life in perspective. Derek Jeter is going to attend old-timers day for the first time since his retirement, Jamie. That's good. That'll be on September the 9th. The team is going to honor the 1998 uh, World Championship team. Uh, it's the 25th anniversary of the team. Jeter, of course, won five World Series titles with the Yankees, and his number has been retired. He's in the Hall of Fame, so and he's 49 years old. So by all stretches of the imagination, he qualifies to be a part of Old Timers Day, right? Mm-hmm. It's just It always just kind of puts it in perspective like wow he's now an old timer he's not he's not running out there to catch some ground balls or you know knock in some guys so it is uh, it is what it is uh, others scheduled to attend uh, include mariano rivera the manager joe torrey andy pettit jorge posada tino martinez and paul o'neill that's a, get me a ticket for that that's a that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good team right there yeah, they'd probably win a little bit. They probably would beat the current one. <laughs> current one's kind of struggling. Um, I, uh, terrible is the word you're looking for. Terrible. Okay. Yeah, they're terrible. Terrible. And it sounds like Brian Cashman's going to be back. Would it surprise you if Aaron Boone was back? I don't know. Anything? Any, you just yeah. throw your hands up right now? Yeah, I would mm. just drop my head right now. Okay. Stick my head in the sand and... Except defeat. Do you think they could get moved to the American League Central? They'd be in contention for a division title. I think questions like that make my soul hurt. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make you, make your soul hurt. <laughs> your soul hurt, man. <laughs> I don't think they should move divisions. I think they should just get better. Okay. Okay. Uh, Baltimore, 74 and 45. They lead the East by three over Tampa Bay. Toronto's eight and a half back. So... That's pretty much the race between those two teams. Uh, Minnesota leads Cleveland by four and a half, and then uh, Texas by three and a half on uh, on Houston after last night's uh, results. Man, how about the? Um, I don't know that I'm. I'm not necessarily surprised. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just. Maybe I'm just a little bit, but maybe not. Um, the Red Raider basketball team selling out their season tickets. Yeah, I was surprised yesterday. Um, so yeah, so I, th- I and this is this is year five, and so you know I think it speaks to, obviously it speaks to the fan base, mm-hmm. uh, it speaks to the faith that they have in the program of, of um, you know getting back into the tournament. They sold um, eighty five hundred season tickets. I think it's really impressive. Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. the fan base is I mean as bad as things went last year, yeah. not just with the, with the losing, but the way you did it, and mm-hmm. just I mean the just so incredibly obvious that you had a bunch of guys here that were here for the money and not for uh, the love of Texas Tech and for our fan base to kind of get over that quickly and move on and support the next group of guys and Coach McCaslin. I think that's really impressive. So the previous record was 8150 for the last two seasons. Uh, right now it's at 8500 
and uh, really don't you don't have a schedule yet. I mean, you know, basically who who you're going to play in, in Big Twelve play, but you don't know when those games are going to be, um, and you don't know what your non-conference schedule is going to completely look like at well, home yet. If you were holding out because you're like, oh, I want to see what great home matchups we have in non-conference mm-hmm. play, you know those don't exist. Sure, sure. You had no reason to hold out. Yeah. Yeah. The big matchups that you're going to play, they're going to be on the, they're going to be on a, in a neutral site somewhere. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just, we can whine about it all we want. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, you know, uh, you know that uh, Tech's going to play Vandy December 16th at the Dickies Arena. They're going to be uh, in the Bahamas uh, over Thanksgiving, and uh, and like I said, you'll have uh, the nine home games uh, in the Big 12, and so you'll have the. The others that will take place in non-conference affair, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I was, I guess, I was surprised. I mean, I, when the announcement came yesterday, uh, I would be curious what the attrition was like, and then what the number of new season ticket holders would be like. You know, was the attrition normal at five percent, six percent, or was it higher than normal? And uh, you said you got better seats too, right? Yeah, we 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 improved, we upgraded, but it wasn't. I wouldn't call it significant. I would just call it we have reserved seats as opposed to our GAs. But I wouldn't. That's an upgrade. It, it was an upgrade, but I mean, it wasn't like we're not, we're not, we're still in the upper deck. So it's not like we're, it's not like, it's not like we're sitting at the, at half court or anything. That wasn't, uh, that wasn't available. So mm, it's too bad. Well, it'd be, it'd be all right. Mm-hmm. We're fine. Uh, their tickets are on sale though for the, uh, Battle for Atlantis. That's the uh, place that uh, Texas Tech's going to be playing in, in the Bahamas. Uh, they'll be playing there on uh, Wednesday the 22nd at the Imperial Arena on Paradise Island. Do you have any desire to go to that? I'd love to go to that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Right. Well, I can send you a link and you can uh, purchase your Battle for Atlantis VIP package. Jamie, would you like to go even if there wasn't a basketball game going on? Yes. I would love see, to go. Yeah, this is the thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, not just a basketball game, but a Texas Tech basketball game. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas Tech will play Villanova on uh, the November 22nd, and they'll play the winner of North Carolina or uh, Northern Illinois. Uh, also involved in this is Michigan, Memphis, Arkansas, and Stanford. Okay? So there you go. That's uh, Those are the teams that are involved in that. Uh, a sad story yesterday... Uh, Alex Collins, who was a former NFL player, uh, died in a motorcycle crash. And if that name sounds familiar, he uh, he played football at uh, at Arkansas, and he appeared in a game here at Jones Stadium in which he ran for like 174 yards when the Hogs. I think they're still running over at Jones Stadium, and then uh, in the loss. Uh, that they had to the Red Raiders there in in uh, Fayetteville, um, he had a big game as well. So um, it, when I saw that, I was like, Alex Collins. He ran for in the game here in Lubbock, which was in uh, on uh, September thirteenth, twenty fourteen. So nine years ago, Arkansas won that game forty nine to twenty eight. Boy, it's hard to believe that was nine years ago, Jamie. And Alex Collins ran for. Uh, 212 net yards, two touchdowns. His longest was 84 and uh, had 27 totes in the ball game. 
Uh, he also uh, did not he did not catch any passes in that game. And then the next year in the loss, he ran for like 174 yards uh, in that game uh, as the Red Raiders were uh, victorious there. And that's the, the game where Coach Kingsbury dressed up for the post-game press conference and really kind of laid into uh, Brett Bieniemy, who's now at uh, who's now in the Big Ten at Illinois. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in that game, which was uh, in Fayetteville on September the 19th, 2015, so eight years ago, Tech won 35-24. to 24, And uh, Alex Collins in that game ran for 174 on 28 totes, a, a net of 170. Uh, his longest was a touchdown run of 26 yards. He also uh, caught one ball for nine yards. So there you go. Uh, let's see. 639 this morning here on the morning drive thoughts comments Yates Morning Center chat line go to double t com for that or the mobile app visual edge it hotline is open at 806-771-0973 Patriots signed Zeke Elliott and I, I, I saw that signing I'm like oh man so is he going to go there is he going to go there and kind of have this rejuvenation of life and if he does make an impact for the uh, if he does good for him but he Mm -hmm. wasn't worth the money that you were paying him no doubt no doubt tony pollard was a much more effective back yeah uh it's a one-year deal three million dollar base one million dollar signing bonus uh with incentives he could earn up to six million dollars he'll wear number 15 his tweet was one five all the way it's the same number he wore at uh ohio state he wore 21 for the Cowboys. So, apparently trying to get back into the old college spirit, Jamie, there at uh, New England. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time for this day in sports history. Today, Jamie, is 8 15 Hmm. Okay. 8 15 With this day in sports history is Jeff McGuire. Going to start in, uh, well, I take this back. What year did the Chicago White Sox throw the World Series? 1919? 1919. Very good. 1925, White Sox pitcher Dickie Kerr makes his first appearance since winning two World Series games in 1919. Mm. That's a six-year gap. That's a... Actually, it's six and a half years. That's significant, right? Almost seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 1939, uh, earlier, I want to say last week, the Cubs played their very first night game at Wrigley in like 88. Right. Mm -hmm. 1939, first night game at baseball's Comiskey Park in Chicago. White Sox beat Cleveland five to two. So, you know, significantly earlier. 1964, Mayor Richard M. Daley declares Ernie Banks Day in Chicago. Good day. 1989, in his second start after cancer treatment, Giants' Dave Dravecki breaks his pitching arm Mm. while throwing to Tim Raines. Yeah, it's just sad. And then he broke it again. This What year was this? This was 89. This was after. Yeah, but then he he was done after this. Yeah, but he he broke it again in the celebration after they won the National League pennant in '89. 
I'm pretty sure about that. He ended up losing that arm. Yeah. I thought he was done after this one. I don't remember him breaking it in this. I'll, I'll look that he up. He may have. Uh, 1993, Nolan Ryan gets his 324th victory. It would also be his final Last as the Rangers year. win 4-1. to one. 2012, Seattle Mariners, Felix Hernandez becomes the 23rd pitcher to throw a perfect game, mm. winning 1-0 to nothing over the Tampa Bay Rays. 1-0 game added extra pressure. 2019... Only put this on here because it's just this fun. The 60th annual finger wrestling championship takes place in Garmarsch Perschirken in southern Germany. It was part of the Partikner Festival. <laughs> Nailed it. 60th annual finger wrestling tournament. Don't ask me. I don't know, but it just seemed like fun. Happy National Lemon Meringue Pie Day mm. as they celebrate Julie Child's birthday. Apparently, this was her favorite. Happy birthday to Jennifer Lawrence, who's 33. Joe Jonas, 34. Ben Affleck, 51. Emily Kinney is 38. Deborah Messing, 55. And Gary Kubiak is 62. Gary Kubiak. And on this day, in 1914, the American-built waterway across the Isthmus of Panama connecting the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans is inaugurated with the passing of the U.S. vessel Acorn, a cargo and passenger ship. It was the largest construction project of all time. U.S. engineers moved nearly 240 million cubic yards of earth and spent close to $400 million in constructing the 40-mile-long Panama out. I wonder what that would cost today. Four hundred million in 1914. Well, you looked that up. I was right. When the Giants won the National League pennant in 1989, I was watching this game, October 9th, 1989, in the post-game celebration. Dave Trevecki's left arm was broken a second time when he was running out to the mound to celebrate. Exciting. <laughs> Exciting. It's, it's a bad deal. <laughs> I mean, I can remember something 34 years ago like that, but I can't remember 34 minutes ago, Jamie. There you go. 6.50 this morning on the morning drive. Thoughts, comments, Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to doublet97.3.com for that of the mobile app. Uh, Dan in Dallas asks, Chuck, is it okay for the Dallasers to have the Vanderbilt game at Dickey's Arena? Nah, I would prefer it be in Lubbock. But... I've lost that battle long ago. So four hundred million dollars in nineteen fourteen roughly translates to twelve billion two hundred twenty one million six hundred and forty thousand dollars. Wow. I think it I mean, I think it worked out for him. It's worked out quite well for the US <laughs> Navy and all cargo ships trying to get from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Yes. Right. right. It's done very well for its little it, canal. I think it's probably paid for itself, wouldn't you say? I mean, not not everything not everything pays for itself. Like, and probably couldn't build that today. Well, we had to start a revolution in order to be able to build it the first time. Mm -hmm. so. And there have been there have been challenges on that. And then uh, it's like Hoover Dam. You know, you it would be difficult to do that today. 
I would imagine it'll be difficult any time period. You know, but I mean, just to, to build, I mean, mm-hmm. the Panama Canal, <clears throat> there was a lot of, a lot of diseases, um, uh, and, uh, a lot of deaths, uh, during the building of that. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the, with the Hoover Dam too. It's not, not the, not the easiest of work, you know, back in those days, even in today's world. I believe it was pretty difficult. Yeah. Think about working in that heat. Mm. Pouring concrete and all that kind of stuff. Man, goodness gracious. 651 this morning here on the morning drive. Uh, We get this. New homes, Logan Addison committed to Texas Tech baseball a couple days ago. Yeah, I saw that. It was good to see that Chuck's disdain for new home didn't dissuade Logan from committing. I don't have any disdain for new home. That's a kind of a got blown out of proportion. Tell Logan, don't worry. Chuck doesn't go to the games. (laughs) He'll be all right. I go to some games. (laughs) <laughs> I went to one last year. I listened. I listened to your games. I listened. I know. To I know. That's I'm, good. I'm dialed in. It's good. But I'm just saying he's not going to be heckled by Chuck or anything. Oh no, no, he's not going to be heckled yeah. by me. I don't heckle the home team. I, I, mm. I, I do my best to root for the red and I black. I mean, we heckle Hacks and Jamie all the time. They're part of the home team. <laughs> no, that's I in the really, building. I really. That's yeah. I really don't. Uh, I really don't. I'm we not, heckle each other in the building. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody wrote this with regard to Cliff Kingsbury and Brett Bielema, right? Bielema. Yeah, Bielema. Mm-hmm. Did I call him Bienemy before? I'm not sure. Bielema. Anyway, Brett Bielema. Who would have thought that they would have that they would meet in the Big Ten, right? Because he's at Illinois, and now Coach Kingsbury is an analyst for USC if he remains there next year when they make the move to the Big Ten. Be interesting to see what his next move is, Cliff Kingsbury. Does he stay in college? Does he go to the NFL? Be an offensive coordinator, quarterback coach? What you know? What's his What's his next step? Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be it'd be it'd be interesting to see kind of what he what he decides, or does he just say, you know what, I'm I'm good. I'm single guy. I've got a lot of money. I'm got a nice house. Or I can have a nice house wherever I am, and uh, I think I'm okay. But I would think that... Wouldn't be surprised by any of that. I would think that he's a guy that probably is... I don't think he'd want to be an uh, offensive coordinator in the NFL. I don't think that he would want that detailed of a gig. I think being a quarterback's coach Mm -hmm. or being uh, at either level Mm -hmm. or being an offensive analyst, maybe. I don't think he wants to be an NFL coordinator. That'd be my guess. We know that he probably doesn't want to be a talk show host. I think that's probably fair. You know, it doesn't seem to fit his um, his personality skill set. Yeah, oh, I mean, he could do it. He could do it. But I just think his, yeah, he his... would be miserable, but he could do it. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, this from Juan. I'm not sure what he means by this. Chuck's definition of some is one. LOL. Some is one. You went to some games last year. You went to one. Oh, game I went last to one. Year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean that was that was an odd year for me. I mean, they're yeah, they're, you went to one. No, that's <laughs> not true. I don't think I think that, I think my I think I've been at least a game over the last few years. I mean, I've been to a bunch of games. We didn't go to any postseason games this year, so that, that prevented me from having more than one. <laughs> it's the team's fault. <laughs> I, find I some, apologize. Got to find somebody to blame. All right. Yeah, find somebody. Uh, Rangers won last night. Astros lost last night. Rangers lead by three and a half. We'll have the Astros and the Marlins tonight at five ten on one hundred point seven. The score. Rangers and.
the Angels tonight from Arlington at 6.30 here on Double T 97.3. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. With Jamie Lent and Jeff McGuire, I'm Chuck Hines. Uh, we get this question from the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Uh, I, 850 as I was OC, that made me curious. What is that Kitley paid as OC at Texas Tech going to be harder to hold on to good coaches with the pay disparity? Well, I, the, the the Google machine tells me uh, that the redone deal for Coach Kitley uh, that was done back in February of this year uh, was a three-year deal worth $2.55 million which was a raise of 16% over his previous three-year deal worth $2.19 million. So I, I, think, I think Texas Tech has, has shown over the years that they're willing to step up to pay coaches, especially coaches that for perform. a while that wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. the case. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's fair. Uh, and, and, but I, I feel like they've done that now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about football coaches. I, I think for the most part, and during Kirby Hocutt's tenure, he's done a great job with uh, coaches that were, you know, looking elsewhere. Or others were kicking the tires sure. on them and mm-hmm. um, across the board and, and a, a bunch of different Texas Tech sports. But it did feel like for quite a while there, your assistant coaches in football were um, were underpaid or compared to what we were seeing across the board in college football. But I don't think that's the case anymore. Yeah, yeah so... Two point five five million. That's over three years. That's about eight fifty is the math. Yeah. yeah. Um, I used the calculator. I mean, I didn't do that in my well, head. Well, two two point five five. So eight fifty one point six seven ish. No, no, a little bit more than that. Uh, I did two point five no. two million five hundred fifty thousand dollars divided by three is eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Two point five five, or you did two point five. I did two million five hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay, divided by three, and it came out to how much? Eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'm, t- I'm telling this. I mean, you think my cal- that's my calculator right there? Did I do it right? Okay, okay. <laughs> you seem like you're doubting me. <laughs> All right. What do you think I did? It, did I do it wrong? No, you're good. Okay. All right. So anyway. So, I would imagine you win eight ball games, win nine ball games. A lot of people over there at Texas Tech football are going to get a raise. Uh, if you win eight ball games, if you win eight during the regular year plus your bowl game. So if you win nine for the season, you go eight and four. You can. There's. There's. There'll, there'll be. There'll be some increases. Would eight and four just really just sour you on the year? No, heck no. Okay, that's heck no. Say, but okay. I mean, it, when you signed them to the three-year deal at two point five five million, you didn't expect eight wins. Well, I I don't. So all of a sudden you're like, oh, eight wins, man. Well, we got to rip up that deal. and We got to pay them way more. Right. You didn't think you didn't expect eight. Depends on what the offense does and what the defense. I mean, now if I, you're going into the last year of the, their deal, maybe mm-hmm. you say. Hey, we're happy with where, the, where we're progressing. The first two years have been good. Um, we we want to make sure that we have these guys in the fold for for a, you know few more or you know for as long as possible. So we're going to go ahead and and you know add to their current deal that's left. Yeah. 
but I don't think eight wins. And I'm just like, oh, man, rip that up. Let's double their salary. What, what, That's, I mean, kind of what we did with Cliff Kingsbury his first sure. year. And how did that go? Not well. But I, I I also think that when you're talking about coordinators versus the head coach, and I, this is just me, and I don't, I don't know how that works for Kirby Hocutt or, or other athletic directors or even the head coach who would have some say in it, you would think. But I, I would I would think that if the offense is performing at an extremely high level and it's the defense that's leaky or the special teams that gives up points or the head coach makes a decision that costs you a couple of ball games, I mean the OCs over there going, hey, you know we led the Big Twelve in in offensive production here. I know we only won seven games, but coach, I got all these teams knocking at my door here wanting me to be their OC and they're willing to pay me. Two or three hundred thousand dollars a year more, that'd be something they'd have to take a look at. The circumstances of the season. Yep. And uh, if that was the case with Zach Kitley, which is who we're talking about here, that would be different than the image that he has portrayed up to this point. Okay. Of a guy that loves being, being at here. Texas sure. Tech. Sure. Okay. Sure. I mean, uh, we, we all, and and you and you can't just take and I mean, it's been proven time and time and time and time again. You can't just take a job for money. Now, again, if you're at eight wins this year, and you have one year left on the deal for those two, I would definitely want them to add three more years on, and there would be a bit of a pay increase. with Deruder and and Kitley. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I definitely would want more years and feel like they were deserving of a pay raise. But again. An eight-win season doesn't all of uh, eight-win season. I feel like that's what we were expecting. Okay, and so I don't look at that and say, "Oh, well, well he's grossly underpaid <laughs> for an eight-win yeah. season." I got you. Now he wins. They win ten or nine. They win ten. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, ten-win seasons you can count on one hand. Uh, this from the Eight Swing Center chat line. Remember, it was a big deal to pay David Gibbs five hundred thousand a year. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, that was during the uh, the Kingsbury administration, right? But that was that was also, you know, ten years ago. And you know, you look at the how the budgets have increased. And I don't know what five hundred k ten years ago is worth today, but I would say, and I, it's not eight hundred fifty thousand dollars, but it's 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 significantly more. Mm-hmm. But you look at the you look at the budget of where Texas Tech was, and and for certainly any. Uh, college uh, athletic program 10 years ago versus today it's it's significantly different um tech was not generating 75 million dollars in in revenue uh 10 years ago so speaking of david gibbs yeah guess where he's at is, is he still at missouri or nope where is he, he is currently the co-defensive coordinator and secondaries coach for ucf knights is he really yeah we're gonna see him again <laughs> You know, I always kind of liked him. He was he was a he was an interesting interview. He was he was not a he was not afraid. <laughs> I think one time in a yeah, he was very honest. He was honest he was, to a fault. Yeah, yeah, negative about the defense at times and really mm-hmm. frustrated with guys. I don't really called guys out individually that much Mm-mm. that I can remember. But he when his defense didn't perform well, he definitely said it. Yeah, yeah I remember. Um, I remember one time in a, I think it was one of the end of season kind of conferences before the last game or something. Coach Kingsbury was asked about um, David Gibbs and he said, well, I hope he's back for another year. And 
And then Coach Gibbs came in to the meeting room and somebody, he said, he goes, I don't know if I'm going to be back. And, and or something, something came up along those lines. And somebody said, well, Coach Kingsbury just said you were, he was going to have you come back. And uh, David Gibbs was like, okay, well, I guess I'm back then. So, you know, it's kind of one of those, kind of one of those deals. It was, it was just kind of funny, the, the dynamic that went, went there in that particular situation. So mm-hmm. how about that? So he's at UCF. Wow. Oh, whatever. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name who stayed in town, the offensive coordinator uh, for uh, Matt Wells. God, what was his name? David Yost. David Yost. Is he, is he surfaced anywhere? 724 this morning here on the morning drive. Meanwhile, football practice uh, continues over at uh, the football training facility today. Is there anything... I mean, it's it's so weird. You know, there's been times when we've been in these situations a couple of weeks before a game where, like, I know that we're we're, we're waiting for to see what the offensive line's going to do, and you really... You may know some of that against Wyoming. You really know that against uh, against Oregon. But it seems like things are pretty... It feels like things are pretty set. I don't know if it is that things are very set. It feels like things are pretty set for this football team in terms of they've got their their plan in place. They probably there's probably some position battles that are still going on. Yeah, I'm sure that they would tell you that they have a lot to get done and a lot to get figured out and a lot mm-hmm. to get implemented and and like you're talking about, some position battles are probably part of that. But yeah, it does it does feel like. Yeah, we know we know what to expect. We know who's going to roll roll yeah. out there and all these different positions. But uh, I'm sure they would tell you they need every one of those practices sure, to get ready. Sure, we need every minute of the day. Chuck, they could go, if they could go ahead and hurry up, that'd be great because we're anxious for the season. Uh, David Yost with the FIU Panthers. Okay, well, I'm glad he's landed on his feet. He seemed like a good a good dude. Seven twenty-five mm-hmm. this morning here on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T ninety-seven three and Double T ninety-seven three dot com. Jamie's question of the day is next. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T ninety-seven three is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time now for Jamie's question of the day on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T ninety-seven three. Okay, so my question for you guys today is: We're going to lose Texas and Oklahoma out of this new Big 12 conference. Mm-hmm. And they were the schools that everybody loved to hate. Yeah. I want you to tell me the two schools. You get two schools that you think will be the ones that the rest of the conference ends up disliking. Disliking. Yep. And I want you to tell me that the two schools, and this will be, the I think, the harder part, that you feel like, eh, I think I'll find myself rooting for them. Kind of outside the... Yeah, so you obviously outside. can't pick Kansas. We, sure. We can't pick the Red Raiders, so okay. it's got to be... <laughs> okay. Can I pick the Red Raiders? Uh, sure. No, no, I'm not going to... You did it to I'll yourself. Go, I'll go outside of it. Um, two schools that you think we're going to root for and two schools that you think that we're going to hate as a, as, a, as a fan group. Yep. Okay. Does it have to be... Can it be incumbent schools still, it too? Can be who, yeah, whoever you want. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say Utah and West Virginia. I'm going to leave K-State out because that's a given for me. But I, I'm going to say Utah and West Virginia. West Virginia will be two schools that I think that will dislike. Jeff? What about like? What about like? Um, for whatever reason... 
I don't know, maybe it's because they've just been a non-threat. I've always kind of liked Iowa State. Um, I I think that their fan base is, has, is, is a thick and thinner kind of – they stay with their team thick and thin, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of whether they're winning or they're losing. And I've always – Always appreciated that. Um, I know nothing about UCF. Um, seems like it'd be a good place to go. It's warm. Probably got some sand nearby. Um, so I'm going to say UCF just for kicks and grins. Iowa State and UCF, okay. <laughs> uh, for hate. As a conference, I think it's going to be Utah at the top of this list. Mm-hmm. They, they just really feel like the the new arrogant species that we're going to be dealing with. And then the the cocky kid I think we're going to be dealing with that thinks they're all that in a bag of chips will be the University of Houston with them coming in. Oh, okay. Uh, as for schools that I think we'll almost root for, I mean, we're still the Big 12. We hate everybody. Um, I think UCF is at the top of that list of a because we don't know anything about them. We haven't played them ever. It feels like in any sport, mm-hmm. so getting to to kind of learn about them is going to be fun for a little bit. And I don't know why Arizona comes to mind in this, but I oh, feel yeah. like that's going to be a fun rivalry okay. as opposed to a heated rivalry. If that makes sense. I forgot about the Arizona schools. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Wow. Jeff and I were all over the place together here. Uh, Utah definitely at the top of the team. They just seem extremely arrogant. We already know about the comments that have made by their administration at this point. And so they're at the top of my team to root against list. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the University of Houston just barely edges out UCF for the next hateable team. Um I think the University of Houston, that's probably the, the Texas bias against them, just the fact that we've dealt with their fan base before. And, I mean, their head coaches are dislikable, <laughs> both in football and basketball. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think usually, a lot of times, you end up disliking a a school's you know program because of the head coach, because you don't like the personality there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that those two fit that bill. Um with the University of Houston. I think UCF has just been, I mean, in the past with their fake national championship and just their, their, you know, I think belief that they're going to come into the Big 12 conference and just immediately take it over, I think is clueless. So I think UCF is close to my list, but I put Houston above them. Uh, as far as the ones that I think I'm going to end up liking, well, I don't, I don't think it's going to change. The one team that I, I just – don't I have a hard time finding hate for is Kansas State in this conference. I think that that will stay there. There's just to me, there's not a rivalry with the Red Raiders and they haven't had a coach that's bugged me. So I'm totally fine with K State. And then the other ones, just because I feel like I've met so many BYU people that were good people, I think I'm I find myself rooting for BYU. Maybe it's also because I know they're kind of rivals with Utah. And so I already dislike Utah, so that makes me want BYU to do well. Uh, so I'm going to go K State and BYU is the ones I feel like I'm going to end up rooting for. Okay, mm-hmm. I think you guys sold me on uh, on Houston. I think you're I think you're I think you're spot on with 
you, you generally dislike teams either because of their fan base, mm-hmm. uh, what they've done to you, whether it's you know run up the score or whatever, or or the head coach. Um, and I think Houston does fit that bill. Um, you could also make. You could, I was surprised you didn't say TCU, but it may, may just be a given. That's for a you. given. Yeah, yeah that's that a would given. be like you with the K State. Yeah, one. that's a yeah. given. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Houston is one. Everybody has like an opinion of how you would describe you. You know, you just completely go out there and say K State fans are this or TCU fans are this. And we all know that there are probably really quality TCU fans and sure. terrible TCU fans, just like Texas Tech, okay? I, I look at Houston fans and like that I've dealt with over the years, and it's like this major chip on their shoulder, okay? Ma- major chip on their shoulder. Um, they're just screaming to be relevant, okay? Well, everybody else is like, you're not, Okay. And the feeling of them just so wanting to be included in everything and feeling like they deserve it when everybody else feels like they're not. And then, and again, just like this complete, like, I don't know, chip on their shoulder, you know, act that they put out there. And I sometimes wonder, is that what, because we're not A&M, we're not Texas, is that how people look at our fan base? Mm. You know, like that, because I, I, I would say that Texas Tech has a chip on their shoulder. Outside looking in. You yeah, know. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think know. that's gotten less because of some of your success over the years. But I think I think there's still I think there's still some of that. I'm proud of it. I hope we always play with that chip on our shoulder in every sport. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I mean, it is a, in students and fans and all the above. I'm, I have no issue with having the chip on their shoulder. Um you know, I've, I had this, you know, in a previous job, I had a boss who was a, he was an SMU guy, okay? And he would always tell me, the only difference between SMU and Texas Tech is you guys think you're relevant. We know we're not. We get it. We accept it. You guys think you are, okay? And I always took such offense to that because um, I'm like, we're in the Big 12. We're relevant. You know, we... I mean, we we play real football games against real quality teams. You guys don't, you know, and and in basketball and baseball, and we we do good things, and you guys don't. Okay, so we are relevant, but I don't know. I just feel like that's Houston, and so I'm guessing that some of the things that Longhorns and Aggie fans say about us is the same exact things that we're saying about Houston. Yeah, you're probably you're probably right about that. Yeah. You're probably right about that. 7.39 this morning here on the morning drive. Lots of uh, reaction to this in the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Uh, also, uh, this morning, we're going to give away some tickets to the uh, Knights of Columbus Tech Night, uh, 3008 62nd Annual Tech Night. In fact, we'll give away a pair right now to the first caller on the Visual Edge IT hotline at 806-771-0973. It's a week from Saturday night. Uh, it's a great cause as they... Uh, raise money for uh, scholarships for uh, athletes who have completed their eligibility but haven't completed their education. Uh, the gates open at 5 o'clock. The head coach, Joey McGuire, is the featured speaker for this event. There'll also be uh, a little auction as well for some Texas Tech memorabilia, including a helmet that is signed by all the Ring of Honor honorees, with the exception of Elmer Tarbox. And I ran into his son last night at the gym. I said, hey, they're doing this. I said, do you think you have your dad's autograph on anything somewhere that we could 
put on a helmet. He's, and it's funny because somebody else had contacted him about that same thing that had a mini helmet and was look is looking for Elmer Tarbox's autograph as well. So like canceled check or something. <laughs> so, so anyway, so maybe that's out there. Don't know. Uh, 7.40 this morning. Boom, boom, boom is next on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Hey, good morning with Jamie Lent and Jeff McGuire. I'm Chuck Hines. Take your thoughts, comments on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to Double T 97.3.com for that of the mobile app. Visual Edge IT hotline is open as well at 806-771-0973. Really kind of um, of a bizarre story. I mean, you've heard over the years that you know the film is not exactly what happened in real life. But, I mean, look at every film. I Wait, mean, you mean a film's not real? You know, there's, there's, there's you know, c- creative uh, license taken, you know, with every, with every film from... I mean, just name it. Name any film that's based on fact, and there's some, you know, creative differences. You know, um, bridge over the river Kwai. They didn't blow up the bridge all the way. You know, Apollo 13. Uh, Jim Lovell didn't say first Houston. We have a problem. Um, you know, there's other things in in every in every film. There's something that you kind of do the fact check and went. Ah, it didn't quite happen that way. Okay. Sure. So, The Blind Side came out in 2009, starring, you know, Sandra Bullock. And, um, you know, based on the, the story of Michael Orr, who, you know, was a high school kid that basically was without his parents. And the Tui family took him in and he became a, a star a football player and was heavily recruited, ended up going to Tennessee, which... Excuse me. Ended up going to Ole Miss, I believe. Ooh, ooh, yeah, I got that wrong. This oh, this court was this uh, fi- would be angry with yeah, you. Yeah, right. This filing was in uh, was in Tennessee. Anyway, it, it, he went on to, to star there and then play in the National Football League and um, and won a Super Bowl and uh, befriended you know their children and and apparently they petitioned so that he could get into the school to be conservators of uh of michael orr and so now he now is basically suing them uh with allegations that that there was a lie uh about him being adopted and that they did this in order to enrich themselves at his expense this this was 2009 okay um this occurred he turned 18 in 2004 so you know we're, we're talking about a story that's 20 plus years old. So why now? You're looking at me to answer that? Well, to anybody to answer that. I mean, you you can, if you have a thought on that, you, the the movie generated more than $300 million or saying he got nothing for a story that would not have existed without him. Uh, in the years since, the Tuies have called have continued calling the 37-year-old or their adopted son, have used that assertion to promote their foundation, as well as Leanne Tui's work as an author and motivational speaker. Uh, Michael Orr discovered, uh, to his chagrin and embarrassment, according to this lawsuit, 
that the conservatorship to which he consented on the basis of doing so would make him a member of the Tui family, in fact, provided him no familial relationship with the Tuies. Tuies have yet to respond to okay. this lawsuit. So, um, I guess while very, very sad that this relationship is clearly broken up, okay? Mm-hmm. It's, it's broken up. Um, while sad about that, I guess I'm also interested slash glad that this lawsuit is being brought up because I feel like it's going to get us to the truth, right? Mm-hmm. This ESPN story that was written yesterday was, it appears from the outside looking in, okay, very one-sided, okay, very one-sided. Um and um, I don't know if that's because the truth is one-sided or if it's because, as writers tend to do at times, they're, you know, it's, sometimes they, there's an agenda. Okay? Well, and, and, or, or they only want to present one side of it. Well, and, and Michael Orr's attorney, I mean, basically blindsided. No pun intended, intended. Sure. You know, basically everybody with this yeah. by filing the suit. So they're out they're out ahead of it first and the Tuies are having to to respond. Now Sean Tuey yeah. has the, been the, quoted in this. Okay. The question of why now it says in the article that he just found out a year ago. Okay. Um I don't know that I believe it. I don't know that he just found out. Okay. But I am I'm anxious for this to come out because it's while extremely sad, I'm anxious to see what's going to ha- happen in this lawsuit because now I'm interested to know it. I mean, are I mean, what's the truth? What's mm-hmm. real? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not here to tell you. I, I know either way. It's I mean, from the outside looking in, I'll tell you. Sure, it looks like eh, I guess Mike Lord didn't do well with his money. Okay, or he decides he needs more now. Because he wants some more money. He's, or, you know, um, you know, feels like he, he doesn't like that they, they may, they're making money and. Off of his uh, story. Off of his story. Well, it feels like everybody should be making money off of his story. Everybody that was involved, right? If it's true that Michael Orr was not making money off of it, but the Tuies were, then I agree with him. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. But I, I mean, I don't, I just don't know what to believe here. And that's why I say, yeah, I want this to go into a court of law and, and have it figured out. It's hard to for me to believe, as a, even as pessimistic and non-trusting of a person that I am, um, it's hard for me to believe that this family, at the time that they took him in, was like, hey, we can make millions of dollars off of this kid. Like that was their reasoning. Right, when they, when they took him in. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, that's hard for me to believe. It's hard for me to believe at the time that, okay, this became a big story. Oh, we, they want to make a movie about it. Um, that they're like, okay, I want the family, the real Tuies, quote unquote, to benefit off of this and make a bunch of money off of it, but we don't want Michael to. That's hard for me to believe that mm-hmm. they said that. And, and that that was their approach. Like, okay, well, let's not make him, let's not really adopt him. Let's be a conservatory so then we can make money and he can't get so that Sandra money. So Sandra can be in this movie and it's he, going to make all this money. And it's hard for me to believe that people are that way. But, man, you, you find out each and every day that people are crazy and people are evil. And um, 
Maybe I shouldn't be so naive. I don't I don't know. I do feel like there is good in the world. I do feel like the story seemed like they the their initial intentions were extremely good in helping this young man, okay? Mm-hmm. But I may be just biased by the story or biased by the movie. Oh, it was a little fun movie. Yeah, right. Okay. Um I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. Or by a bias because SJ came to play basketball here against Texas Tech. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is a fun little fact, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah. So I just don't know what to believe, and that's why I'm like, man, send this to court and let's find out. Uh, Sean Tuey, um, the... Uh the, the dad of the Tui family says, we're devastated. It's upsetting to think we would make money off of any of our children, but we're going to love Michael at 37, just like we loved him at 16. Uh, he told the Daily Memphis Memphian website that he was stunned by Orr's allegations and the Tuis didn't make any money off the movie, only a share of the proceeds from Michael Lewis's book, which was the foundation for the film. Uh, Orr's petition asked the court to end the Tui's conservatorship and to issue an injunction barring them from using his name and likeness. Maybe this is all about a lame name, likeness, and image issue from that, we, that we're seeing now in college sports. Who that, knows? There's, there's some, probably some truth to that. You know. Um, he has written that the Tui's told him that there was no difference between adoption and conservatorship. They explained it to me. It pretty much means the exact same thing as adoptive parents, but the laws were just written in a way that took my age into account. That's what Orr wrote in his best-selling 2011 memoir, I Beat the Odds. But, I mean, so did they do that with the thought that... I mean... He he can't... I mean, he's not truly ours, so he can't make money off this, but we can. That's hard for me to believe. That would be hard for me to believe, too. This is kind of one of those, you know... there's his side, there's their side, there's the truth, and then somewhere in the middle and, there's the real truth, right? And, and the truth of the matter is, would Michael Orr be where he is today without this family? I, I would. I think. He, I think all of, everybody would have to say no. I don't. I wouldn't guess so. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't guess so. My guess is but there's a lot the, of Michael Orrs out there. Yes, that could use a family like this, mm-hmm. right? But that being said, that doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve what is coming to him. Yeah. Okay? And again, if if they were all making money off of it and Michael Orr was not, something's wrong. Right. Something's wrong. And that's what this article is accusing the Tuohys of. Yeah. So that needs to be figured out. But, I, I mean, just from the outside, the initial, I mean, it just looks like Michael Orr's like, man, people made money off of me. I haven't made enough. I don't have enough money. I need more money. I want some money. Yeah. It's sad. It's extremely sad. And it and what is it? Extremely sad. What does it say to future Tui families who are thinking about doing the same thing or have done the same thing with no gain, with no blindside movie? Sure. This has been the Morning Drive podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T ninety seven three podcasts at double T ninety seven three dot com.